I mean, also just stepping in and saying, I can see that you're not coping. And if you had to stay in that room with other people, just by you being very calm and modeling Mm -hmm. and leading the child, the other parents, I'm going to judge you. They're going to think, wow, she just is so supportive of her child and Mm -hmm. she's there for him no matter what's going Mm -hmm. on. Welcome to the Tilt Parenting Podcast, a podcast featuring interviews and conversations aimed at inspiring, informing, and supporting parents raising differently wired kids. I'm your host, Debbie Reber, and today's episode features a conversation with Simone Davies. Simone is a Montessori teacher and parent educator who runs a Montessori playgroup in Amsterdam for babies, toddlers, and preschoolers up to four years old. She's also the founder of the Montessori Notebook, featuring free articles, downloads, and videos on the Montessori approach, as well as her virtual e-course, Setting Up Your Home Montessori Style. Simone also happens to be a dear friend and regular work buddy, and we meet up weekly to co-work over coffee. We often get into deep conversations about education, parenting, and our children. Simone has two teenagers. And I wanted to share one of our conversations with the Tilt Parenting audience. So in today's episode, Simone and I talk about a lot of different issues, but our focus is on emotionally supporting our children and ourselves in especially difficult situations. I hope you enjoyed the episode, and I look forward to bringing more conversations with Simone to the podcast. To learn more about TILT, the revolution for parents raising atypical kids, visit www.tiltparenting.com. Hey, Simone, thanks for coming over to my child's bedroom. I love it. I think this is awesome. I'm never going to forget coming over to Debbie's house. We're sitting on the floor in in Asha's room and we're going to have fun. Just have a chat. One of the things I guess I learned about you when we first met is that you're a Montessori instructor, but much more than that. But I'm kind of new to the Montessori world, and some of our listeners might be too. So would you mind just kind of, I don't know, do you have like a two-minute spiel of what <laughs> Montessori is? Yeah, sure. Montessori is like an alternative education system. So instead of a teacher standing at the front of the classroom, instead you have materials laid out around the room and different subject areas and the children actually um, can choose for themselves what they want to work on. Um, so it's actually empowering children to learn because they're interested in something, not because the teacher says that this is what we need to learn. And so you're basically encouraging curiosity in kids and, yeah, empowering them to stick at things, concentrate, follow their own Um, development no one's the same and then you have mixed age groups usually in a classroom so the older kids can help the younger kids and the younger kids observing and watching the older kids so it amazingly works that it's not complete chaos actually (laughs) everyone's really busy working yet the freedom to choose is amazing because they actually want to learn then yeah yeah that's that's very cool and I think in kind of learning about the work that you're doing and I've learned more about Montessori through you and realize there's a lot of overlap, I feel like, in the ways that we're trying to raise Asher, especially because a lot of our focus is on developing kind of executive functioning skills and independence and doing things on his own that for Asher and for a lot of kids who are differently wired or approach things differently might be more challenging. So I, I'm really interested in that aspect of Montessori too. I know, I always think of little kids now like chopping vegetables and you know kind of working in the kitchen at a young age and that's that's a big part of it too right this kind of independently doing things 
Yeah, totally. It's not like saying, oh, here you have to grow up and do everything yourself, like and take all the fun out of childhood. It's actually that they're so interested in doing it and working alongside and being part of the family. And um, yeah, like a toddler can cut apple and really proud that they made their own snack. And it's not forcing the child in to eat any apple. They want to sit down and eat the snack they just made. So it's just including them in daily life and all of those kind of mm-hmm. skills are so yeah. useful. And they have processes and steps. And so they can build concentration. They're learning a lot. Um, for a toddler they're actually getting fine motor skills from these kind of activities and and daily life so that's really cool I mean it's a lot of Montessori even if once you're moving to school age the materials that they use in the classroom are all concrete so you don't learn maths by someone writing on the blackboard you actually handle materials this is one this is ten this is a hundred this is a thousand and you can have a five-year-old who's doing sums like five thousand three hundred and sixty because they can just go and get five thousand blocks and add them to another if the sum's 1,000, they get a 1,000 block. And they're mm-hmm. like, ah, oh, look, there's 6,000 there. And they concretely see that. It makes so much more sense than having to do everything abstractly. Mm-hmm. So this hands-on learning is such a big part. It's just not, yeah, passive yeah, absolutely. learning. It's really like being involved. They often talk about in Montessori the hands connected to the brain, you know. So don't just passively learn things like through your brain. Actually touch things and mm-hmm. you'll learn it better. That's very cool. And something you said earlier too that jumped out at me is – this idea that it's one of the main foundations of how we're doing a school here and one of the main foundations of Tilt is that every child is on their own timeline. And I think that's so important. And so that's another way I feel like Montessori, the principles behind that are so in alignment with what I think works for a lot of kids who are differently wired. Yeah, there's to be, kids learn in so many different ways. Even my own two children, one's an observer and one has to really repeat and repeat and repeat to learn things. But observing is also a valid way to learn. And in a traditional classroom, that doesn't often work because they're not going to do your worksheet now. It's just like, well, actually, I'm just like taking it in. and I can see him then just write down and do it once. And then you have other kids who really like to practice and that kind of thing. You have, yeah, so many different ways of learning. And sometimes one kid is really fast at speaking and another child takes more is more busy with motor skills but they'll get on their yeah in their own timeline to the mm-hmm. place that they need to be it's a hard thing for people to remember I think because there's so much pressure I, I still do sometimes you know feeling a lot of pressure like oh you know it, we live in Amsterdam and kids are riding their bikes everywhere from a very young age and Asher's still on the back of my bike and he's 11 and I'm sure people are like what the hell is that big kid doing on the back of her bike but he's not ready yet and I'm always having to kind of remind myself he's on his own timeline he'll get there he doesn't have to do it when everybody else is and so I think that idea extends beyond academic just kind of life in general for kids yeah I think it's really difficult not to compare but just to trust that your child knows what they're that they will develop and they will develop beautifully as their own person each child is an individual and I love that Instead of just trying to get everyone to fit into the same hole, it's just actually, mm-hmm. no, we're all different and you can have different strengths. And Well, I think kids also notice when their peers are doing things differently and it's kind of our responsibility to remind them too, that's fine, everyone's working at, at a different pace. I know when Asher was, you know, in kindergarten and first grade, he was for someone who's not observant socially in some situations, he was very aware of kids who were better at writing, you know, the motor skill actually in their handwriting was much neater or kids who answered something more quickly like that was on his radar. And depending on how we went with that, that could have been a real source of 
frustration for him. And so I think it's important. That's a big responsibility parents have, too, is to just always be reminding kids like, hey, there's no one way to learn this. We're all on our own timeline and not adding additional pressure because they are a lot of them do kind of notice where they fit in among their peers yeah it's one thing for us to drop the labels and another thing for them to drop their own labels yeah yeah Yeah. super interesting so last week we met on a thursday was it two thursdays ago anyway we meet most thursdays for coffee and then we do some work together well co-working independently working but keeping each other company and we had a conversation that I thought was really interesting. And I, you mentioned that a parent um, at your Montessori, Montessori school had struggled because their child was having a really difficult moment. And you were talking about that balance between the parent and the child. And when the child's having a difficult time, what the parent can do in that place. And I wonder, could you kind of like, I'm probably totally botching this story. So could you recap the situation? Because I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, to be honest, I can't remember the specifics now of what happened, but what can happen very easily is a child starting to lose it. Perhaps he's snatched something off another child or something like this, and they just want it. They're saying, oh, I'd like to have a turn with that. But instead, the mum's kind of like intervening and getting more wound up and wanting the child to give it back, and then they're both getting stressed, and it kind of often feeds this energy, and both of them kind of start losing it. And we were just, I think, talking about in general how instead if a parent can just see what's the child's problem and what's what they can do just to support that child through it. It doesn't mean that it's always going to be easy, but they're guiding. And so you be this rock kind of there, you're supportive. Um, so they don't feel abandoned, but at the same time, you're not taking it on. So you're like, okay, how, what can I do to help him get through this difficult situation? Mm-hmm. Oh, it looks like that you'd like that toy. Yeah, I can see you'd really like that toy. And you can kind of maybe empathize with them and talk him through that. And sometimes that's enough. Or other times you're like, oh, it looks like he's crying. Does he need some help to calm down? Or do you want to get a tissue for him and kind of guiding him that way? So you're kind of like not solving the problem for him, but you're just standing there and helping and not taking over and letting them have their difficult moment, maybe calm, come to calm, and then they can make amends for what went wrong, those kind of things. But it's you know, we're just talking about how to... You don't want to be like completely uncompassionate. I'm not saying Mm -hmm. that, but being a rock, I think, is a really nice visual thing that you're so strong and steadfast for your child, but you're not emotionally getting reacted yourself. Yeah, that's the key, though, isn't it? It's something that I've had to learn over uh, with a lot of practice. I've had a lot of opportunity to practice (laughs) not getting emotionally involved, but I think when you have a child whose reactions are considered bigger and a lot of differently wired kids whether you know they have ADHD or are on the spectrum or you know a really intense gifted kid or whatever they their reactions can be so much bigger to the point where it's inappropriate for the situation or you might be getting looks from other people and as a parent it can be so hard in those types of situations to not get emotionally involved it's it really triggers something and that's something i find so challenging do you have any stra- I, I mean i've seen you you're pretty calm and cool <laughs> I think um, kind of this, some people call it sports casting technique, you know, so like if you were a, a race kind of sports cast, you'd be like, and this guy's in first and like kind of talking about what's happening in the race and then this guy's leading ahead and this kind of thing. So if you're commentating on what's happening, like, okay, Asher, I can see that you're kind of getting frustrated by that. And then you can come back down and you're just talking him through like what might be happening. I can see you're really like pulling that really hard that you look really frustrated. And then you're actually just remaining quite calm mm-hmm. and this sports cast 
podcasting can sometimes give you a little bit of arm's distance. Mm-hmm. I know some people just say breathe, but it never, it's kind of, that's <laughs> always a great advice for later. But some people are really good at just like managing to take some breaths. And actually the kids sometimes can hear you taking breaths and that can give them. It's great awesome. modeling. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> it's also really useful. I think it's just also a whole lot of practice as well. It's mm-hmm. kind of like, okay, that went wrong and I'm going to apologize because that went wrong. And next time, you know, how can I see this off better? Often things like preparation is like a whole lot of it. Like there's no point going to a doctor surgery and expecting a toddler to wait patiently. It's just like, have your snacks in a little bag ready if you need to pull mm-hmm. out a car or something to play with. And those kind of things that so you never get to the point. We'll be right back after this quick break. We just celebrated our two-year anniversary of Gotcha Day when we adopted our sweet Haskell, my cat who acts like a dog, plays fetch, and who I'm pretty sure has sensory processing differences. Are you getting a new pet soon? That means you'll need to think about getting the necessities like food, toys, a bed. Something you may not be thinking about, though, is pet insurance. That's why you should check out ASPCA Pet Health Insurance. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program offers customizable accident and illness plans, making it easier for pet parents like you to help your pet get the care they may need. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program has been around for over 18 years, and they've helped more than 600,000 pets during that time. They allow you to customize your plan, helping ensure that your pet's plan is as unique as they are, because vet bills can really add up, especially when you're least expecting it. It's simple. Use their app to submit a claim and you'll receive reimbursement for eligible vet bills directly into your bank account. To explore coverage, visit ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash parenting. That's ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash parenting. Again, that's ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash parenting. This is a paid advertisement. Insurance is underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by PTZ Insurance Agency Limited. The ASPCA is not an insurer and is not engaged in the business of insurance. There's so much more to maintaining a healthy gut microbiome than eating a balanced and healthy diet, travel, certain medications, and of course, something many of us have plenty of in our daily life, stress, are just some of the other factors that can totally throw off our systems. Enter Ritual. They created Symbiotic Plus, a three-in-one supplement with clinically studied prebiotics, probiotics, and a postbiotic to support a balanced gut microbiome. Their supplement includes two of the world's most clinically studied probiotic strains to support the relief of mild and occasional bloating, gas, and diarrhea. I like Symbiotic Plus because it delivers all this goodness in one single nested minty delayed released capsule designed to help survive the harsh conditions of the upper GI tract. And because the capsules don't require refrigeration, I just keep them on my desk so that I get that helpful visual cue every morning. Plus, they're easy to bring with me when I travel. There's no more shame in your gut game. Symbiotic Plus and Ritual are here to celebrate, not hide your insides. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash tilt. Start Ritual or add Symbiotic Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash tilt for 25% off. 
But also I think sometimes it's stepping in before the situation's got so out of control. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I think we're like, okay, um, I'm going to be laid back and just let them kind of keep following them. But actually they need guidelines sometimes and some limits. So if a child's playing with water and that's making you feel uncomfortable, you should step in when it's making you feel uncomfortable and not when it's got so far. Okay, now there's so much water everywhere and it's Mm -hmm. got too far. So you've kind of also been triggered. So instead I would come up and say, oh, I see you really want to put the water all over the floor like the water's for pouring do you want to pour it into the vase or are you done with the water and then having to put the limit that maybe the water's finished for the day would then mean that you never got to the space where you got so out of your Mm -hmm, comfort zone mm -hmm. I mean sometimes if your child is already melting down and it's not something to do with you then you can step in sometimes quite calmly Mm -hmm. because it's their situation realizing it's their problem Mm -hmm. and leaving it there it's a big thing to practice but it really pays off it's a huge thing yeah it's it's definitely something we work on a lot is something my husband needs a lot of reminders for and and I think I get more practice because I'm home with Asher every day we're homeschooling and I spend a lot of time working on these things but I think what you said is really key like recognizing that it actually has nothing to do with us. And that is huge because if we are having such a strong emotional reaction, it's because of something we're telling ourselves about the situation, whether it's this shouldn't be happening right now. My child's behavior is out of control. It's not okay. People are going to think I'm a terrible parent. I don't deserve to be spoken to this way. Like any of those things are thoughts that are going to make you feel worse, right? If I'm thinking controls our emotions. And so that's something I work on too, is just reminding myself, this has nothing to do with me. This only has something to do with Asher in this moment, not having the skills he needs to cope with his intensity. But it can be really hard to not get sucked in. Yeah, I mean, also, if you are in a social situation, it's like, and you're, I think sometimes just to remove yourself from that social situation, so you can feel safe Mm -hmm. to just be with them as they go through their... Yeah, very emotional roller coaster. Sometimes it's like they start with like real anger because they're frustrated at the situation and then they go through sadness and then mm-hmm. like it's um, grief and it can be yeah. a 40 minute process or something. <laughs> yeah. And if you can just at least be somewhere away from other sides, I mean, also just stepping in and saying, I can see that you're not coping. And if you had to stay in that room with other people, just by you being very calm and l- mm-hmm. modeling and leading the child, the other parents, I'm going to judge you. They're going to think, wow, she just is so supportive of her child and mm-hmm. she's there for him no matter what going mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. yeah so I think we've got to lose the worry about the other parents but actually if you want to model great parenting for them like just be that <laughs> really like I've got this under control and I'm gonna yeah some people like to use the idea the analogy of like a captain and I find captain a tricky one but at least if you think about it if you were on a ship and something went down like you'd want the captain to step in and take control they're not going to get flapped or things like that so if you can just be this like really okay I know exactly what I'm going to do I'm just going to stand here and hold you and keep you safe while Mm -hmm. you're melting down Mm -hmm. or whatever Mm -hmm. yeah we can solve the problem together that could be a useful thing for people to visualize well I like that and I like the idea of have you know having a plan I think is really important to know like you said kind of no understanding what the situations are where that child could get triggered or could get upset and then also knowing what your plan is I loved going back to something you mentioned earlier I actually love that sportscaster I'm going to use that 
breathing has worked for me at different times. And in fact, Margaret Webb, who I'll be having on this podcast at another time, um, really helped me learn a specific breathing strategy that made an instant difference in the kind of moment, you know, helping me calm down. And I've certainly found that if I can be that rock, it really uh, just turns down the volume on Asher's reaction right away. But it has to be from a genuine place. I can't be faking being a rock. Like, I have to be the rock. I have to believe I'm the rock. And uh, if I can stay in that place, he will often come back down to my level. So the key is making sure that I don't. And I like that. When you you were saying uh, noticing when you're starting to get elevated, I thought you were talking about noticing the child's energy, which is something I think a lot of parents who have kids that react more intensely, we are reminded to always recognize when they're about to blow because once they've blown forget about it you're in damage control there's you know but so we're always trying to watch oh they're creeping up into the yellow zone and we're getting near the red zone let's figure see if we can stop this from happening so I like that you talked about that idea but really it's about yourself too and that is a great way to model it for your kids who are learning how to recognize when they're about to lose it. Yeah. Very cool. I'm also playing around with it myself. Um, nothing to do with my Montessori training or anything, but also meditating. Um, I've been probably meditating for over a year and then I'm just finding like this silence and just l- practicing at neutral moments. Like I'm cycling through the park and I'm just feeling a little bit agitated. And so I'm going to practice kind of getting a, that little bit of drop of peace that I had this morning and practice now. And so practice when actually times are quite easy Mm -hmm. and then in more difficult situations maybe then you're like oh I'm going to try and see if I can bring that little drop of peace back and I'm Mm -hmm. getting agitated and that can also be really calming so earlier you mentioned the word empathy and practicing empathy with our child so can you say just a little bit more about that how that can help diffuse a situation yeah totally I don't know it's what how you interact with even adults and I find it's just so nice if a friend and like you've just ex- explained you've had a really difficult day and if they just say oh that sounds like it was really difficult I feel like I'm heard instead of just rushing in to solve the problem give advice or tell deny my feelings like oh you shouldn't worry about that this happens all the time you know so it's just really being heard and so it's practicing the same thing with your child it's like oh I see that you really wanted that toy if it was something that they're struggling with when they really want to take something off someone else. Or it's like, oh, um, that fell on the ground and they mm-hmm. completely lost it. You know, it's mm-hmm. just like, oh, that didn't work out the same the way that you expected. Mm-hmm. Or a kid falls over and instead of saying, oh, don't worry about it, it's fine. You can just say, oh, that was a shock and it really hurt. And just allowing them to have big, ugly emotions. It's like you're really full of rage right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, just accepting not... Yeah, those big, ugly feelings instead of saying, trying to push them away. Because I think if anyone's tried to lean into an ugly feeling, it goes away quicker if you just lean into it and let it go. Mm -hmm. And um, it's allowing those feelings and just empathizing with them. We'll be right back after this quick break. Hey there, it's Debbie. I love making this show and sharing conversations about how to support our awesome neurodivergent kids. I've seen how even one little insight from an interview can spark a big shift in daily life. But I know that raising complex kids can be messy and lonely. And just when we think we figured it out, something comes up that boots us right back to feeling overwhelmed and stuck. That's why I've poured everything into creating a way for parents like us navigating complex parenting journeys to join together and chart a path that feels positive, hopeful, and doable. 
It's the brand new Differently Wired Club experience. In the club, you'll get personal support from me and other seasoned parent coaches, six live calls every month where you can connect and get your personal questions answered, the opportunity to learn directly from authors and experts like I have on this show, monthly themes for getting specific and tactical, an exclusive private podcast feed, and the best, most generous community of parents. Seriously, these folks show up for themselves and each other, and that right there is really everything. Because it's a daily reminder that we're not alone. Our kids aren't broken, and we have totally got this. The recently rebooted Differently Wired Club is on a brand new platform with its very own iOS and Android app. It is such a great space. However you learn, whatever your style, no matter the ages, genders, and neurodivergent profile of your children, the Differently Wired Club can help you cultivate the positive shifts you're hoping for. Join us today by going to tiltparenting.com slash club. That's tiltparenting.com slash club. I hope to see you on the inside. Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts. Yeah, empathy can sound like, oh, is it that you feel frustrated about that? Or it could be, you know, trying to put a a name on those feelings. Just put yourself in their shoes and see what it Mm -hmm. might feel like. Or just, oh, wow, you must have been really disappointed. Yeah. And then if you get the feeling wrong, it's okay too, because they might go, oh, no, I wasn't disappointed. I kind of was just like, it wasn't what I was expecting. And then it just helps them clarify their feelings. Mm -hmm. I don't think they often get angry if you get it wrong. It's just like you're kind of questioning it. Yeah, and you're also respecting their right almost to have an emotional response. I mean, I think I grew up, I don't think, I know I grew up in a household where anger was an emotion that wasn't okay to exhibit, at least not on my part. And so I think, and I think a lot of people grow grow up that way, that anger and those really big emotions, frustration, anger, can make people feel uncomfortable. And us as parents, when we see our child exhibiting those, it makes, it triggers that same uncomfortableness in us. But that is something, that strategy of just recognizing it. You are really upset right now. You're really, I can tell you're really sad about this. Or I started doing that with Asher a number of years ago. And I think it was Ross Green's book, The Explosive Child. That's one of the strategies that he talks about. And It really was amazing how it could stop a meltdown or kind of just almost jolt Asher out of it just by recognizing and acknowledging their experience. So I think that's a great reminder that empathy and yes, you're right. It's something we can all practice with everyone in our lives. (laughs) (laughs) So um, before we wrap up just this idea and you said something earlier about this, so maybe you could talk more about this idea of making amends 
and circling back after the fact. Can you say more about that? Yeah, I think it's really important because I think um, some people have preconceived ideas that Montessori is about letting the children do whatever they like. So does that mean that they can go and do something wrong to somebody else and then not take responsibility for it? It's actually not what Montessori is about. It's actually really teaching kids to take responsibility as well. So when they're in rage, there's no rationale saying, oh, it's not okay to do this. They're not hearing you. They just mm-hmm. cannot even hear. But when you have helped them calm down, then that's when it's time to make amends and it's helping them find a way that is okay. Like they they take responsibility for what they've done. Mm-hmm. So I have a story if you'd like it. Yeah, bring it on. <laughs> so my son was a little bit upset because he was feeling left out because um, my daughter had a friend sleep over. So he set the alarm to go off at four o'clock in the morning oh in their my. room. And so they were furious in the morning, <laughs> like, oh, ma, it's not okay. And um, <laughs> so I walked into this rageful room and said, what's going on? And I understood the situation and I said, okay, so... They're really upset and you see that you've done the wrong thing and like how can you make it up to the girls? And they ended up deciding that he was going to cook them breakfast and he ended up making them French toast and he was really proud of himself. (laughs) And so it's about making amends. I didn't have to come in and say, okay, well, you're never having a friend over and you're grounded because that would be like a punishment and he would then hate me for it. And it's not saying, oh, don't worry about it, girls. You know, it's just sleep. It's actually saying that was really not okay but let's find a way that you can make it up to them. And like the next time that she came to sleep over, I kind of said, all over the alarm. He's like, no, I'm not going to do that. So he's also <laughs> learned from it. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's my story. I like to do for making amends. I love that. That's great. We call those uh, restitutions here. We, that was a big part of our life for about a year and a half. If something happened, yeah, we're, we're not big into punishment because just don't seem to be very effective. But restitution is, yeah, taking responsibility. And um, so maybe a restitution here would be Asher helping me straighten up my room or make my bed with me or something, some way to kind of acknowledge and make amends for something that you did, but in a way that feels good for everybody. That's a great reminder. Yeah, cool. Well, thanks for being one of my very first guests on the Tilt podcast. And I hope that you will come back again and we'll do this again on the floor of my son's bedroom. (laughs) I'd love to. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Tilt Parenting Podcast. To learn more about Simone and her awesome resource, The Montessori Notebook, visit her online at www.themontessorinotebook.com. And I'll include a link for Simone's website, as well as all the resources we mentioned in our conversation on the show notes for this episode, which you'll find at tiltparenting.com slash session eight. For more information on all the podcast episodes, visit tiltparenting.com slash podcast. If you're enjoying the Tilt Parenting podcast, we encourage you to subscribe over on iTunes, as well as leave an honest review if you have the time. That really helps us get more visibility so more parents can become aware of Tilt. Lastly, for more information on Tilt, the revolution for parents raising differently wired kids, and to sign up to be a part of the community, visit www.tiltparenting.com. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory, two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings who sometimes feel stuck. And this is our new podcast, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. What happens when your creative spark just seems to disappear? Gone. Poof. Bye. See ya. What happens when life gets in the way of your creativity instead of nourishing it? 
That's what happened to Molly and me. We felt like the thing that drove us creatively stopped working and impending doom had in fact invented. Totally. So we decided to do something about it. And that was steal ideas about getting unstuck from the most creative people we can find. We talk to guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. And we're not just talking Bob Ross type paint on paper artists here, though we talk to them too. We're talking to actors, creative directors, dancers, and people who are working hard to be their best creative selves in a world that can sometimes feel real uncreative. We all have something to teach each other, so let's steal their ideas together. Join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Pandemics, school calendars, world events, lack of sleep, oh, get out of their life gunk. And let's get back to your best creative self. Subscribe to Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. You're not going to want to miss an episode. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking